the sports dance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the sports dance. I am your host, Greg, as always, and what a week of sports we have had. Game fives galore, upsets galore. We're going to get into baseball first thing because honestly, it deserves it. October baseball is here. Football can wait. Thursday night football can wait because honestly, Thursday night football, kind of ugly. Yeah, it wasn't the prettiest of games. You know it. I know it. You can blame the wind, but we'll get we'll get into it. Don't worry. We have Paul's pylon that takes up a bunch of the show. Trust me, it's worth it. It's a good one this week. If you don't like money, it might not be great for you, but that's all I'm going to say. It's what we call in the biz a tease. But let's get into it. October baseball is here. It's hot. It's upsetting. At least if you're a Dodgers fan or a Braves fan. Minnesota, I'm sorry. You kind of knew what was coming. And Tampa Bay. You kind of knew what was coming. But only one of the teams that advanced really cemented their spot in the championship series early on. And I got to give credit where credit's due. The Yankees do what they do against the Minnesota Twins whenever they play them in the playoffs. They destroyed them. They just finished, took care of business, three games. They didn't want to stay in Minnesota too long. No no offense, Minnesota. But didn't want to stay there too long. Wanted to get back home, rest up before they have to head out. I mean, there was a chance they got to stay home. But after last night's game five in Houston, it was clear they're going to have to travel again. So props to the Yankees. They held a very powerful offense just like their own it's not many runs it was not a high scoring series for the twins the yankees pitching showed up who would have thought something i don't expect to be saying a lot in this alcs hopefully we'll get to that prediction though we'll get to the nlcs prediction after the yankees though we have to talk about what happened wednesday because wednesday Game fives for both the Braves versus Cardinals, Dodgers, Nationals. One of the weirdest, strangest October days of baseball I've seen in quite a while. You have two game fives, two decisive games. You have a team who seems to every other year, they're kind of like the San Francisco Giants, the Cardinals. Just get this magic going and you just, you just can't stop it. First, an Atlanta Braves team who has done bubkiss basically every time they've been in the playoffs since the early 2000s. So, sorry, Scott, if you're listening. Big Braves fans, saw your messages about raising your kids as Braves fans because then they'll at least know what heartbreak feels like. It's just sad. I mean, I get it. I, I was a Red Sox fan. I've been, I was, I'm a Red Sox fan. I grew up a Red Sox fan. I had to go through the whole Aaron Bleep and Boone stuff. I had to go through a lot of different random heartbreaks. The, I mean, it was tough for a while. The curse was real. Luckily, it's been lifted, and Red Sox have won four championships. It's been fantastic. Past, like, 15 years for me. Not going to lie. It's been pretty sweet. 
didn't mean to rub that in. Anyway, so Braves did nothing. Cardinals have done a bunch. Cardinals, let's not forget, at the All-Star break, the Cardinals were third. Not in the whole National League. In their division, they were in third place, barely treading water above 500. Now, they're heading to the NLCS after a 10-run first inning. Think about that. 10 runs in the first inning, and I mean, it almost wasn't. Fielding miscues, things like that, it happens. There was no home run hit in that first inning. That's the most astounding thing to me about that. Not one. Zero home runs hit by the Cardinals in that first inning. So it was a slow and painful death by the Braves. And it didn't have to be that way. Who knows what happens in game one if Acuna doesn't make some fielding base running blunders. Who knows? Maybe things are different, but they aren't. And the Braves once again fail to win a series in the playoffs, fail to advance, and fail to make their fans a little bit happy. Just a little bit. Couldn't do it. There's always next year. I, I mean, that's the whole saying, isn't it? Cardinals advance, though. Good for them. I mean, got to give credit where credit's due. They were down 2-1. They came back 1-2 straight and just made it no doubt after one inning of Game 5. It takes a lot of the drama out of a Game 5 winner-take-all. But if you're a Cardinals fan, that's not such a bad thing. Now let's go to Los Angeles because that is the bigger storyline here. No offense to every other team involved, but when you're the undoubtedly best team in baseball through the whole season, like, not a doubt, you are numero uno, and you exit the playoffs in the first round to a Nationals team who had, up to this year, never advanced into the next round of a playoff ever. And you didn't just do it like 5-3. Oh, you know, we were kind of in it, but then, you know, they had the lead the whole time. It was, we tried to fight back. No. You had the lead, Dodgers. You were at home. You had a 3-1 lead. What do you do? You brought in Kershaw. Now, granted, this shouldn't be a thing that you say, and it's bad. Clayton Kershaw is a three-time Cy Young Award winner. Clayton Kershaw is one of the best pitchers of our generation. One of the best left-handed pitchers of all time in baseball. Bring him in out of rel- into a relief situation should not be something that you cringe about. But year in and year out in the postseason, it doesn't matter where Clayton's pitching. It becomes cringeworthy. And I know you look at the stats the past few times he's made a relief appearance in a winner-take-all situation, he hadn't allowed a run. But if you saw what happened at the beginning of the series when he pitched, it didn't go well. You had a 3-1 lead. He came in at the end of the seventh. He got an out. You had two winnings to get through. You had six outs. You had a 3-1 lead. You have a bullpen. And other starting pitchers that at this point, this is your last game of the season. There is no guarantee of tomorrow. You empty out everything you have. 
You do not let Kershaw. You let Kershaw get the out that he needed and ride off into the sunset as having a successful outing in a postseason. Doesn't matter that it was one out. People wouldn't have cared. People knew him coming out into the eighth inning. Not a great idea. That is everybody except Dave Roberts. So, Dave, you got to, what were you thinking? Like, were you like, hey, I like making it to the World Series and losing. This year, let's try something different. You shouldn't. You shouldn't have tried something different. You should have brought in Jansen. I get it. You were not sure about your bullpen. Bring in Kelly. Bring in Jansen. Bring in any of your known relief pitchers. I understand the setup situation wasn't perfect. That was the one weak spot in your Dodgers armor, and you thought Kershaw somehow could be the guy that gets you past it. Well, you had other starters. You had other relievers you could have turned to. You didn't. What happens? Kershaw gives up back-to-back home runs. Now, here's the thing. I get it. You send him out there. Once he gives up the first solo shot, immediately before that ball lands, you should be at the mound, grabbing the ball from Kershaw saying, thanks for what you did. Get in the dugout. At least then, if you got the one-run lead, you can make the argument that he didn't blow it for us. Because there was nobody else on base. You still had a lead. You still had guys in the bullpen that could come in and maybe get things on track and secure it for you. Instead, you rolled with Kershaw. He gave up another home run. It tied the game. You went to extras, and we all know what happened. Grand slam. Grand salami off of Joe Kelly into the night sky. The Nationals surrender no other runs. Steven Strasburg pitched phenomenal. He gave up all three runs, but it was early. He kept the team in it. Despite having the shakiest of bullpens in all of Major League Baseball going into the October postseason. I've Yeah, I don't even know why I said it that way. Going into the postseason. Well, just say it like that, Greg. Thank you. Nationals had a shaky bullpen going into the postseason. There we go. They stepped up. They proved They belong. They did what they had to do against the mighty, mighty Dodgers. So it's another year. Seventh postseason in a row appearance for the Dodgers. Zero World Series titles. It begs the question of, is Dave Roberts your manager? Is he the guy that you trust making those big, important decisions? Great regular season guy. Postseason has not been his strong suit. You got to know your guys. You have to know who can come in and shut the door. Because it's not Kershaw. Breaks my heart to say it, but I mean, he's essentially what David Price was up until last year. It took David Price multiple years to get that stigma off his back. He did it last year with what he did in the ALCS and the World Series. Kershaw hasn't had that moment yet. He needs that moment to psychologically break through. The picture of him sitting in the dugout is just sad. The talking with the media basically saying, yeah, there's truth to it. I can't do it in the postseason. is sad. He's 31. Think about that. Kershaw feels like he's been around forever. He's 31 years old. He at least has another 
probably five to six seasons, guaranteed. And then it, depending on how he's doing, he can decide if he still wants to pitch. But he at least has another five or six years left. Can he get a World Series title? Or will he go down as one of those guys that always had the opportunity, could never step it up? I mean, he is literally the only like first ballot Hall of Famer I can think of. Now, this is me personally. Thinking about all first ballot Hall of Fame pitchers. That if you told me Kershaw's getting the ball, biggest game, everything's on the line, that I'd go, who else we got? Anybody? Do we have, like, Derek Lowe? Do we have Bartolo? Is Bartolo back in the back somewhere? Like, anybody else? What about, uh, I don't know, like, what about Jamie Moyer? Is he is he available? Tim Wakefield? Any of, any of them? No? All right, I guess we're going with Kershaw. Like, that is how bad Kershaw is in the postseason. Give me anybody else. I'm not even kidding. And that is a very hard thing to say when you think about a first ballot Hall of Fame pitcher. But I think it all starts with the manager not understanding that. I don't put all the blame on Kershaw. A lot of it falls on Dave Roberts, how he managed the game, how he managed the series. You got to consider maybe switching it up. Maybe he's the reason you can't get over the hump. Don't know who you bring in. But you gotta you gotta figure it out because the window is still there. You still have that window. It's not closed yet, but it will start soon. You can't keep this young core, talented core together forever. You just don't have the cap. I mean, there's no cap in baseball, but you just don't have the money to not fall into the luxury tax and pay so much. So we'll see what happens with the Dodgers. It'll be an interesting offseason for them because now they are on the golf course instead of welcoming the Cardinals into the lovely abodes of Dodger Stadium. Besides that, though, you turn to the AL side. I'll get to predictions after this, but the Astros, Garrett Cole, took care of business. It's a little shaky. The Rays roughed up Verlander. Nobody saw that coming. And then they got Garrett Cole, who has just been the most dominant pitcher in baseball for the past few months. Like, there's no denying it. The guy has been phenomenal this year. He's going to get a huge payday after the season ends. Who knows where he goes? There's a part of me that thinks maybe he takes a bit of a pay cut and tries to stay with Houston because they at least have Verlander and Greinke for the next two years. Plus that core, you could have be looking at a team that can make a three-year run of World Series titles. They made sure of that by taking care of business last night, beating the Rays 6-1. to one. Cole was outstanding. Like, he was just outstanding. The After the first, like, two innings, you just knew. Tampa had no chance. I mean, the Astros scored four runs. They established their dominance, and Cole just went out there and did what he does. Strike guys out, get outs. That was it. Good for them. Good for baseball. That's really the winner here is baseball. Baseball fans, MLB in general, has to be thrilled with the fact that the Astros won because they were potentially looking at, again, no offense, especially to the National League side, they were looking at a Cardinals, Nationals, Yankees, Rays 
championship series. Which, no offense, very boring. Like, I'm not going to even snore. I snored last week, but it's snooze fest. It would be so, you would know the Yankees were going to beat the Rays, most likely. And, I don't know. I don't, still don't, I'm still thinking about NLCS. I'll make a decision in the next, like, 20 seconds when I get my predictions. But, again, the Astros did what they had to do. They're now, you know, welcoming the Yankees in on Saturday, tomorrow. I don't know why I say it like it's in the distance. It's not. And it's going to be good. It's it's the matchup we all wanted. If you could have one of the two sides work out, this was the side you wanted. You kind of expect it. Maybe the other side it could be Dodgers-Cardinals. Dodgers-Braves would have been nice. We got neither of those. So instead, we get at least the Astros-Yankees. Hopefully, it goes six games. You don't, never want any of these series to be sweeps. You never want them to be five games. You want them to be at least somewhat competitive. You want that whole, hey, well, you know, this have to win two in a row or this or that. Six games, perfect for if you don't want to be too stressed. Seven, obviously, is better if it's that good of a series. And then you just hope game seven isn't a dud. Most of the time, it's not. But sometimes it is. Let's not forget what happened in 2004 when the Red Sox came back. I mean, seriously, let's not forget. That was amazing. Anyway, we're not going to go into the past, especially as a Red Sox fan. Nobody wants to hear that. So my predictions for the ALCS and the NLCS are as follows. Because my NLDS predictions were terrible. I went with the Dodgers and the Braves. I went with the top teams. What do you expect? And that's not true. I thought Minnesota was going to be the Yankees. That was strictly because I just don't like the Yankees. But here are my predictions. So I'll start with the NLCS. The NLCS, I'm going to give it to the Nationals. Now, the Nationals have come out as the favorite, according to betting lines. Cardinals are good. They have a good team. Clearly, they showed they can compete. They are very talented. Nothing to take away from St. Louis. They're very magical in postseason baseball. I don't know what it is about them. But I just feel like the Nationals make me think of the Diamondbacks in 2001, where they have two dominant ace pitchers, and they're just going to ride them the entire series. It's going to be Scherzer and Strasburg show. You get them for four games. You just need four games to win. There you go. Those are the four. I know the Cardinals have aces themselves. Flaherty's been great. But in general, Strasburg, Scherzer, there you go. It's that simple. It's really that simple. Can't make it any clearer than that. I think it goes 4-2 series, Nationals, go to the World Series. Who would have thought it? Not Bryce Harper. Too soon? Nah, not too soon. Bryce, again, like I said the other week, he got three hundred something million dollars. He's not that sad. Probably a little sad. Didn't see this coming. Who knows what happened? What the difference is? Was it Bryce? Maybe, maybe so. But I think the Nationals advance to the World Series. Good for them. ALCS side. Again, I am going against the Yankees. One, because I don't like them. But two, how? How do you go against a three-headed monster of Verlander, Cole, and Granke? 
with that offense against an offense who is very good in the Yankees, but their pitching is suspect. You don't know who's going to show up. You don't know what's going to happen. Granted, they have a great bullpen, but that starting pitching, you just need one or two bad innings every game. Astros are going to pounce. I do think this series goes seven games, though. Houston wins it four to two in game seven with Verlander, Colt, and Greinke all pitching. That's my prediction. I think Aaron Judge strikes out and Stanton strikes out in the final inning with the tying run on base. All they need to do is hit a home run. I think they swing for the fences. That's how the game ends. Strikeouts. That's my prediction. Take it as you will. That's my prediction. So that's what I have for you for MLB this week. Had a lot, but a lot's happened. Big, I mean, who thought three game fives were going to happen? Not me. Definitely not you. Everybody thought Dodgers and Astros were going to take care of business like that. They didn't. So it'll be fun. Be a good, good ALCS at least. National League, I'm sorry. I'm not that excited for it. It's just my honest opinion. I'm excited to see Scherzer and Strasburg. That's about it. All right. So enough of that. We're going to get into Paul's pylon in a second. But before we do, this week and probably for future weeks, Paul's pylon is going to be brought to you by Best Bud CBD. If you ever have anxiety, feeling anxious, just need to take the edge off a little bit, go check out Best Bud CBD for you or your pet. That's right. Not just for you. Your pet as well. Best Bud CBD has sour gummies, dog treats, all that great stuff for CBD type products. If you go there, make sure you go to bestbudcbd.com slash hashtag 12 ounce. So that's one, two OZ sports. If you go there, you help us out, help you out. Everybody wins. Feel good. Try Best Bud CBD. It's helping sponsor Paul's Pilot. Speaking of which, here it is. Paul's Pilot. That is right. We are back for another week of Paul's Pilot, where I think he's going to be talking to us about what players make the most cheddar, and it's going to make you feel not so gouda about it. Am I right, Paul? Show me the cheese, Greg. <laughs> Surprised you didn't say that was super cheesy. That was a cheesy intro. I try. So how are you this week? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Very good. Looking forward to the weekend and just uh, winding down here. You're back in the home studio? Back in the home studio in beautiful, sunny south coast of Massachusetts. <laughs> It isn't sunny. Don't, it's raining like don't make it sounds so gorgeous and beautiful and exotic. This isn't <laughs> Florida. <laughs> All right. So this week, as I said in the intro, we're gonna be talking about some players and the cash they've earned. So what do you got for us? So we have some pro athletes and their all-time earnings. Now we're not going back to the chariot days because if you annualize that and account for inflation, we have some chariot drivers that are worth billions and billions. So we're not doing that. But of recent times, pro athletes, and according to Forbes.com, and thrown in 
is their current net worth. So we have some earnings and some net worth, and you are going to be shocked at some of the numbers you hear. Um, I feel like you say that, but athletes' contracts are ridiculous nowadays, so I feel like I already have pretty big numbers in mind. All right, so we're going to go right to number 10. Number 10, Shaquille O'Neal, all-time earnings, $735 million. Mm-hmm. Current net worth? Four hundred million. Yeah, I mean, I it doesn't shock me. Shaq's on there. One, he does a ton of commercials. He does. He he hangs out with the general. He, he loves does. his Papa John. He owns a ton of Papa Johns. Um, he does his shimmy shake with Gold Bond, and Icy Hot, and all that. Like he's in half the commercials on TV. Absolutely. So let's jump to the next one. So that there's there's. A basketball player. So you'll know. Remember last week when I said I'd never talk about tennis on the show? You're going to talk about tennis now? No, I had to find a topic that didn't include a tennis player. <laughs> <laughs> so no tennis player in the top 10? Not Federer? No, we are going to move to. Now remember, all time. I know, I know, but Federer has been around forever and he's won so much. Number nine is a boxer. Oh, is it? Um,. Not Pacquiao. Is it Floyd Mayweather? It is indeed. Seven hundred and eighty-five million net worth, five hundred and sixty. But the thing is, Paul, does he know how to read? <laughs> I don't know that. Well, neither does he. He might be illiterate. Well, he surrounded himself with some good business people because he's retained quite a bit of his dough. Well, that's because he owns like strip clubs, so you know. That's well, just like, I guess, I guess you have to choose how you invest. I plus probably, he spends like 500, he'll put $50 million on a game. That's like a guaranteed winner and net himself another 20 million. I don't even, I can't even conceive what that would be like. Some of these numbers are blowing my mind, but let's, there is no number eight because there's two tied for number seven. The first one, our first non us athlete. So David soccer Brown. player. Yep. David Beckham, $800 million. Yeah, soccer players earn bank. He is currently his net worth, and this is at the end of 2018, because they're wheelbarrows full of money um, every day on their endorsements. But $450 million is his current net worth, and Victoria is also worth $450 million. I was going to say, please send me through Posh Spice in there. Yeah. So, I said Posh Spice. I don't, posh, like, Posh. Yeah. You know, my tongue tied. Um, posh. Also tied for number seven. Another, another, ba- another. Oh my goodness, Greg. Oh man, are we? Have we been drinking? I think we might have. I think we we may have. We're celebrating I mean, going into the weekend. Is day drinking such a bad thing? I think not. No, it's noontime somewhere. Kobe Bryant. I mean, again, Kobe, Kobe and Shaq, both Los Angeles Lakers, both had huge contracts. Literally, Kobe was given, a, as they called it, a golden parachute contract at the end of his career where he got paid way more than what he was worth on the court because he was barely on the court. He was hobbled. And now he owns a produce, production company. He won an Oscar. He is all over. He also probably the big thing. Books. Does he? He does. I did not know that. I was going to say body armor. It's probably a big part of that because he got in on that early and had a huge investment in it, and that has taken off as the main competitor against uh, not Powerade against Gatorade. So retaining, he's at five hundred million net worth. So 
another good businessman. Plus his wife stayed with him after all that incidences. Incidences. Plural? I mean, there's one major one, but like, come on. All right, let's go to (laughs) another sport. Let's go to golf. Tiger? No. Phil Mickelson. Tiger's going to be up or higher. Phil Mickelson, $815 million. Go lefty. No wonder he's got such jacked calves and abs and all that stuff now. Well, he's he's doing all that reaching in that kitchen commercial when he's got his arthritis medication. Have you seen him recently? I have not. I have I've never seen him. You you only on TV as TV ads pounds. Yeah. Uh. Well, Phil Mickelson not on TV. Phil Mickelson is ripped now. Really? Did he hire a like a? I don't, I don't know. know. Somebody <laughs> make him ripped? <laughs> it's like awkward. He's like showing off his muscles and nobody's comfortable around it. He's supposed to be dad and he's not. <laughs> well, $400 million he's worth. So Good. let's go to our second non-American. Can I guess? It's going to be between two people. Ronaldo or Messi? Okay, so no. Really? And Absolutely. Yeah. And it is a race car driver. Oh, I don't know any of those. Well, Michael Schumacher. He is worth one. He has earned a billion dollars. Wow. Think about all those stickers and labels all over their cars and their clothes and everything. Yeah, but that's not usually the driver himself. It's usually the The team. The sponsor. Yeah. So $800 million is his net worth. So he's done very well for himself. Yeah. Should we go back into the golfing? So Tiger? Uh, No. Really? Who's better than Phil? Jack Nicholas. Huh. Total earnings, $1.2 billion. Only worth $320 million. Does this include inflation? It does not. I was this is say. all dollars. But you, you don't know what the charity work that Jack has done and what they've done with their money. Some of these guys are real estate moguls and some of these guys are... Well, he Not. designs. He has golf courses that he puts up and things like that. So, so only to be out, uh, not to be outdone. Our next earner, number three, Arnold Palmer. Oh. Nope. Man, a lot of golfers. Right? Crazy. One point four billion. I'm gonna be interested to see who the top two are because oh. there's two guys that that actually there's three people I think it could be. It, it is probably one of the three. Anyway, uh, Arnold Palmer at the time of his death was worth seven hundred million. So that's his Arnold Palmer drink company has to be worth tons, right? And I'm sure that estate is living large. So number two, you've guessed. Wait, hold this. on, I got a quick question. Okay. Have you ever seen the Arnold Palmer commercial for ESPN's This Is Sports Center? I have not. It's hilarious. So it's hit them in the lunchroom, and it's two anchors, and they hit each other. They go, look, and it's Arnold Palmer standing at the iced tea and lemonade stands where it's two separate things. So he pours a little lemonade in, then he goes to the iced tea, then back to the lemonade just for a little more spritz, and looks at his caddy, and the caddy like nods, and there's like, that was amazing. That's like the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And he just walks away. Because <laughs> they saw Arnold Palmer making Arnold Palmer. <laughs> there you go. Um, number two. All business now, okay. No, no, no. I just I want to get here because you've guessed it four times. Is a golfer. (laughs) Is a golfer. 
Okay, this is Tiger Woods. It is. It absolutely is. His number one is definitely Michael Jordan. $1.7 billion worth $800 million, and we know what happened there. Yes and no. I mean, I think that was a flat-out settlement. He's made a lot of that back by himself. Sure. And, he's got, and, he's and got he's endorsements out the wazoo. He does. He's he's making more in endorsements than many players make in a year. So he's 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 not hurting by any means. And of it's course, not. you're right. Michael Jordan, um, 1.85 billion in earnings. He is the only player that is currently worth more than he's earned. He's yeah. worth 1.9 billion. That and makes sense. He's an owner of a NBA franchise, the shoes and everything so, with Nike. So when you think about that. His earnings from his sports career was only $93 million in salary, and mm-hmm. $63 million of that was his years with the Bulls. So it's pretty amazing on what that man has done with endorsements and investments. And he paid $700, I'm sorry, he paid $175 million for the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, well, they're a terrible, terrible franchise. And if only he was as smart as he was with his money, as he was running a team, because they are terrible and he has no idea how to do, do anything to help them win. So they might not be winning, but now they're valued at $1.3 billion, and buying that team turned him into a billionaire. So yeah. um, he owns 90 Well, he, he did own 97% of the team. He still owns the controlling interest. So um, a couple of, uh, of notes. Most popular athletes, only two of these, and, and I mean social media-wise, mm-hmm. influencers, Number um, number 10 in our top 10 would be Michael Jordan. And I thought he might be higher, but he's followed by, on Facebook and Twitter, he's, he's number 10 for athletes. And, of course, David Beckham is number four. So um, just because you're popular doesn't mean you're the richest. And these guys yeah. uh, have got a ton of followers. So who do you think the most uh, followed athlete is on social media? And it's Facebook and Twitter. Um. Either going to be a you soccer player or – I was going to say it's Ronaldo. It is. He yeah. is like 100, uh, 122.5 million Facebook followers and 76.5 million Twitter followers. His Instagram is um, probably even higher than both of those. Yeah. So when you when you go around and you look at most popular, there's a thousand websites to watch, but um, this dude is probably in the top three in every list. Um, and he is got followers, and it's funny because when you go worldwide in the top ten, there are cricket players I've never heard of, and there are sports <laughs> I've never heard of. Yep. And it's just, you get some of these countries, and and they have insane amounts of followers on the soccer on the, is going to be always the biggest though because soccer is a global sport, and the only place that's really not a global sensation is the United States because well, we're just I don't know. It's yeah. Well, it's because we have other sports and our top athletes play those sports. If we had our top athletes play soccer, we could compete on the world stage. It's a, Every time the World Cup comes around, people love to make the fake list of if we took our top athletes from other sports and put, made a soccer team of them, who would play what position? They'd be too and, tall. They'd be hitting the head on the goalpost. <laughs> yeah, but you would have some dominant forces running down the field. People are like, just picture a 27-year-old LeBron James running down the field at six, eight, 200 and something pounds. And just as quick or quicker than every other soccer player. It'd be it would scary. Like, 
Rob Gronkowski running down the field with three players hanging on to him. Exactly. An extra 10 yards. It'd be terrifying. <laughs> so the there's a there's a young soccer player and he plays for Orlando and he has a nickname. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Kaka, young oh, kid. Kaka. Kaka. I didn't want to say it that way because you know it is radio and young I'm kid. A upstanding isn't, guy. Isn't Kaka like mid 30s? Well, all right, that's a kid. <laughs> oh, to you? Okay. Just saying. Thanks. Um, he is like off the chart. He makes Ronaldo look like nobody knows him. Uh, I guess he's like the most popular thing going. Well, he was huge in Europe, and then he came over to the U.S. toward to finish out his career, essentially. Yeah. To finish out his career, he looks like he's five. But anyway, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Is that his name? No, is there is Zlatan on the list as well? Um, I don't know. I just okay. I, I this kid. <laughs> I just thought he's another so European young. player that came over to L.A. and. He's a funny player because he just refers to himself as Lawton and talks in third person all the time and says Lawton is a god. Lawton is the best. Lawton did score again. <laughs> Sounds like a Muhammad Ali-ism. So I want to circle back to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, at the end of two ni- 2019, is the 455th richest person in the United States. And he is the richest former pro athlete in the United States. Yeah, that's He's not shocking. Quite a LeBron business. James will get up there at some point because since he did sign a lifetime $1 billion deal with Nike, and that'll just continue. And he'll be one of those athletes that stick around and own things and invest in things. Like he owns Blaze Pizza. So yeah, he'll get into that list at some point. So long as he keeps his self in check, I guess. I mean... He's one of those rare athletes who has never had any sort of any kind of outstanding run. issue. Nothing at all. I mean, all he does, his biggest issues people have with him is he builds schools. People didn't like that for some reason. Well, that's the problem, right? God forbid. Yeah. 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 And and I believe, didn't he do something? Did he do it in Newark, New Jersey? No, he did in Akron, um, his hometown where he grew up in Ohio. Yeah. Um, a lot of athletes do that and they get no credit. It goes un, unnoticed, and um, the, you know a lot of them have a lot of charity work. And I'm guessing some of the differences here is an awful lot of charity and an awful yep. lot of times. <laughs> exactly. So that wraps it up, Greg. I am. Uh, I just can't even fathom this kind of money. And and it'd be great. Let's let's hope one of the grant your grandchildren maybe becomes super famous and rich, and they can just let us all buy yachts. There you go. There you go. I don't need it. I just need them to be happy. Come on. That's you cool. you want you want a yacht. A yacht. A super yacht? How about this? A super yacht. I'm going yachting. Yeah, we can. That's all then that we would all say. Where are you guys going? We're going yachting. We're going yachting. We're going to step off the (laughs) dock. That's how we'd start laughing, too. We'd start going. (laughs) Your yachting laugh. I like that. Sounds good. They'd be like, oh, hey, did you see what's on TV? They're playing cornhole. We'd be like, cornhole? What is that? (laughs) That's what poor people do. (laughs) (laughs) That's at tailgate. Exactly what it'd be like. <laughs> Everything okay. You mean we hang out on the back deck of our yacht? Imagine that. I, I'm imagining it right now. Uh, someday. Be nice. All right, Greg. I am. Uh, I'm calling it. It's, All right. It's weekend time. It is. Thank you again for joining us, as always. Thank you for having me. Any final parting words, any drinks that you're going to be having this weekend that you want to recommend? Well, I think it's going to be, it might be a whiskey weekend. 
Not just, sure what everybody's doing this weekend. We may be having company and we may not be having company. I, I guess I'll know when people show up. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm not coming. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, I know what's coming. All right. I'm, I'm doing yard work this weekend. If you've seen my backyard, it looks like a tundra of leaves. I That's blowing my mind. You've got all those leaves and you're an hour and a half away and I have three leaves. Yeah. No, I've already done two weekends back to back of... I have 10 plus bags already, so it's fun. I wish I could give you a secret on how to take care of it, but... I think the ding means our time's up. Oh my goodness. Either that or the fries are done. Yeah, I think so. Well, I guess on that dinging note, I'm going to have some drinks now because I'm going to be working all weekend in my yard. Enjoy that. Thank you. <laughs> all right. I will think of you when I'm having a cold one. And you I get a timer. Jeez. We have a family member that is... I don't know why it's on... <laughs> I don't know why this is happening. I apologize. That's all right. You know me. It took me 20 minutes just to sign up to get to talk to you today. Yeah, so, no, it's going to take this timer. Hit it. We hit 18 minutes and the timer's like, ding, get off. You're done. Get off. You're, where's the hook? Get me the hook. All right. I'll talk right, to you later, Paul. Thanks. All right. Bye. <laughs> Another great week, as always, by Paul for Paul's Pylon. Now it's time to get into some NFL before we wrap up the show. And all my NFL takes are brought to you by Seat Giant. Seat Giant is the place you go to get concert tickets, sports tickets, and any other type of ticket you want. It's a great place to go to look at discounted tickets for you and your family. No other place to go except Seat Giant. When you go, use promo code 12OUNCESPORTS to help get a discount. Again, Promo code 12 on sports when you go to Seat Giant for all your sports, concert, and any other type of ticket need you have. So, back to football because let's talk about it. Thursday night football wasn't the prettiest game you could have asked for. We've had weeks upon weeks of really good games. You had Eagles, Packers, Rams, Seahawks, fantastic games. You kind of knew going into last night, it was going to be a dud. You had the Patriots versus the Giants. And the Giants were without Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and Saquon Barkley. They're three big offensive weapons. I was really hoping to see Eli Manning check in as a tight end and be an eligible receiver and get lit up by Kyle Van Noy. Didn't happen. Sadly, did not happen. What did happen, though, is what we all expected. The Patriots' defense showed up, showed out, and dominated. Like, they didn't just do well. They just dominated again. The only shocking thing was they gave up a passing touchdown to Golden Tate. Not even a short one, a very long touchdown. Besides that, the only other score was a fumble recovery by the Giants' defense. Patriots' defense blocked a kick. They fumble recovered. They intercepted the ball multiple times. I think it was three times total. So it wasn't very pretty, at least for the Giants side of things. Patriots side of things, very nice. Like I said, especially defensively, just went over all the amazing things they did. So overall, though, super sloppy game. You had Daniel Jones and Brady throwing interceptions. There was fumbles, like I said, blocked kicks. They said the wind was an issue. That's fine. But still, 
just not a great game. Not the Thursday night game you would hope for. The Patriots also didn't have some offensive players. At one point, I literally pulled up my phone screen to check out who were the leaders and stuff because I didn't have the game on. I was watching the Astros game for a little bit. I recognized two of the six names on my thing, and it was Daniel Jones and Tom Brady. Didn't know who the rushing leaders were, who the receiving yard leaders were. Guys I had never heard of before. Izzo, Myers, Hillman, just no idea. It was that type of game. That's the downside of Thursday Night Football when there are injuries, and there are lots of them. You sometimes just have no clue who's who. Happens, I guess. But it is still a downside. Daniel Jones tried, but he failed like every other rookie quarterback does against Bill Belichick and that Patriots defense. They are just so... I mean, let's just take a second. Did you take one? Good. Because even as a non-Patriots fan, you got to appreciate what that defense is doing on the field. It's just phenomenal. And again, once again, it was. So Patriots still undefeated. Shock. I think, I don't even know who they play next week. Does it even matter? No. The coolest thing was, at least you know Gronk is an analyst for Fox and he wasn't on the field for the Patriots. Except Robert Kraft did make note that retirement papers have not been filed yet. So we still get that little, you know, tidbit in the back of our minds for all us non-Patriot fans to be like, oh man, he might really actually come back in week like 12 or 13, will he? That would be terrible. So we'll see. Everybody have fun with that little nugget as a football and sports fan. Rob Kronkowski could come back and make the Patriots even scarier. They're not scary enough, I guess. Anyway, so that was Thursday Night Football. Let's now get into my must-watch, upset-watch, and lock-it-ins for this week. We'll do a quick review of last week's because I didn't do terrible. I didn't do great, but I didn't do terrible. I did hit on one major pick from last week. It wasn't my lock-it-in, sorry. So, this week, for... Not this week, for... Last week, let's go over what happened. My must-watch was Green Bay versus Dallas. I was hoping to do a really skip, but he made me mad. I'm not going to lie. All, he just harped. You know what? Hit the music real quick. That's right, it's really skip. Haven't done it in a while, but I'm not going to even do this very long. It's going to be like a minute. But Skip Bayless has made so many excuses, has just harped on the fact that Dak Prescott still threw for so many yards against Green Bay's secondary, did this, did that, almost led them on a major comeback. This, that, fouls here, no penalty called there, yada, yada, yada. Skip. Let it go, Skip. You're still talking about it. You're still on the whole Dak issue. Now you're thinking maybe his contract's playing into his performance. He's thrown four interceptions. Who cares if one was on a Hail Mary? Look at the stats. It says four interceptions, last two games. Know what that means? Four interceptions, last two games. Yeah, he almost made a great comeback against Green Bay in 
garbage time. The Green Bay secondary definitely had let up in that second half. They definitely allowed themselves to get beat a few times. And also, when you're down 31-3, to guess what you got to do? You got to throw the ball a lot. So it's not Dak through this amazing numbers. He had no other choice. He had to throw the ball, and Green Bay was basically playing prevent defense and allowing a bunch of under-route throws, letting him kind of get back into it. You can say what you want. Green Bay was winning that game no matter what. Dak just isn't isn't as good as other quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, he can throw. He's not bad. But you got to get off your high horse and let it go. No when it's garbage time. No when it's not that impressive that he put up over 400 yards. Guess what? Still lost. Still back-to-back losses. Still having to face two hard teams. What do they do? They lost. So until then, Skip, until he can prove he can win in a big game, who cares if Carson wins through for 160 yards or 180 yards against the Packers and the Jets? Guess what those games resulted in? W's. Guess what Dak's 400-plus yard game resulted in? An L. So take this L, go into your corner, stop tweeting about it, and be done with it. Because I'm really done with you. Really, Skip. All right, so Green Bay, Dallas, that was my must-watch last week. My upset watch hit Broncos over the Chargers. You're welcome. I mean, I had to take it. It seemed like a legitimate good choice. Broncos are a good, talented team that just have not played that way this whole season. Chargers are an up-and-down team, as always. They're guaranteed to at least get beat by a team that they should beat. It was the Broncos. I made the right call. And then my lock it in. Ed Jacksonville over Carolina. That did not hit. Gardner Minshew Magic. Where were you? Where were you? Because you weren't in Carolina. But it's okay. That's last week. We're on to a new week. I have my must watch, my lock it in, my upset watch. Let's get into it. I'm going to go with my upset watch first. I'm picking another Ofer team. Another team that has had zero wins this year. And no, I'm not doing the whole garbage Redskins-Dolphins game. One of those teams has to win. It's not an upset. It's an upset if they both tie, which would be hilarious. Instead, I'm going with, wait for it, Cincinnati over the Baltimore Ravens. That is right. Lamar Jackson right now is kind of in a spiral. The Ravens are in a spiral. Will they get out of it? I think not. I think Cincy finds a way to win, just like the Broncos did against the Chargers. I think the Bengals find their one or two wins of the season this week against the Ravens. I mean, Andy Dalton still has some magic left. Their offense can just get 20 points and their defense, maybe stay strong a little bit, contains Lamar Jackson. They pull it out. That's why they're my upset watch, though. Somewhat team that should win in the Ravens. And they're a team that's never won a game in the Bengals. So, I'm going to go to my lock in because I actually have two must-watches. So, I'll get to that last. Yeah, it's my show. I can have two must-watch if I want to. Who's going to tell me no? Myself? That'd be weird since I said, hey, I'm going to do two. The other part of me is not going to be like, no, you're not. Because I am. All right? There you go. Argument settled. My lock in for this week is 
I'm taking the easier out. I'm sorry. Dallas is favored by seven over New York. Give me Dallas because, honestly, Sam Darnold's coming back. He hasn't played in a few weeks. I don't expect him to be on his game. He's going to still be, I think, a little cautious. He's probably still a little bit sluggish. I mean, Mono's no joke. Takes a lot out of you. And he just got cleared to really do hit and all that stuff this week. So I'm going with Dallas. They probably have a lot of pent-up anger from losing to the Saints and the Packers. So they got to take it out on somebody. Eagles, we saw what they did last week to the Jets. They destroyed them. I think Dallas does the same. So it's my easy lock it in for the week. Now, my must-watch. Like I said, I have two. And they both should be very good games in the NFC. We have the Philadelphia Eagles going to the Minnesota Vikings. Both teams are 3-2. and two. Both teams have quarterbacks who need to keep proving themselves. Kirk Cousins finally had a rebound game against the Giants. Carson Wentz has had a solid year. He hasn't had the game yet, though. He has been an MVP candidate two years ago before his ACL surgery. We're looking to see flashes of that. We're looking to make sure he can stay healthy week to week. He's done some great plays this year, but this is a big game. This is a big-time matchup. This is something that could really help cement that the Eagles are actually a team to contend this year and not just you know one of those teams that, hey, we've gotten a few decent wins, but we're really not going to do much else. So we'll see. That is definitely a must-watch, though. And I had to have a second one because you can't not say 49ers-Rams is not must-watch. We saw how the Seahawks game went against the Rams. The Rams have struggled the past two weeks. They dropped two after starting off 3-0. and They faced the undefeated team in their division. This is a big division game. There's no doubt about it. Will Jimmy G and the 49ers keep that magic going? Or... Will Sean McVay and Goff find a little bit magic themselves, come up with some few plays, their defense step it up, and maybe take down one of the final undefeated teams in the league? Because right now it's the 49ers and the Patriots. Who's going to last the longest? Well, if we're playing by those rules, clearly it's the Patriots because Tom Brady. I mean, he just wins. But those are my two must-watch. Who do I have in those games? I don't know. I will say I think Philly does have the you know advantage over Minnesota. The secondary is going to be the key question there. If Kirk Cousins decides not to throw it and not play that well as a quarterback should, Eagles win easily. But if he looks like he did in New York, it could be a rough day for the Eagles. You never know, though. Then San Francisco Rams, sorry. 49er fans, don't be mad. I think the Rams do finally have a game where things go pick up again for them. They look like they did against the Browns, maybe, and they take it to the 49ers and give them the first L of the season. But those are my must-watch, my upset watch, and my lock-it-in. Again, I've already just said my must-watch a few times. My lock-it-in is Dallas 7-point favorites over the Jets. I think they cover that. And then my upset is Cincinnati over the Ravens. So those are my picks for the week. Outside of that, not much else to talk about in the NFL. We're not going to get into how Antonio Brown is being like a weird ex-girlfriend crying for his ex-team to take him back and the Patriots posting weird memes. We're not going to talk about any of that because we've talked about Antonio Brown enough. Besides that, Vontez Burfix suspension was upheld, done for the rest of the season. Makes sense. Guy's a headhunter. Headhunters have no place in this league. Their league is trying to crack down on that. 
outside of that, more London games, and then that's it. Last thing I can touch on, big shout out. Not even big shout out. I don't know why I said big shout out. But hey, congrats to the Washington Mystics who won game five last night for the WNBA championship. First championship in team history. I was like, I don't know what I was going to say there. First championship team history. Good for them. They had to come back. They had a surge late in the game to win against the Connecticut Suns. So congrats. The only thing I don't understand is how in the WNBA two teams from the same conference can be in the finals. I feel like that's not a thing. But I guess in the WNBA it is. Maybe they just do it like fantasy football where it's best records and then you get seated that way. I don't know. I never don't know how their seating works. I've never really actually thought about it until I just noticed that when I was looking at the box score and everything else. But so, hey, congrats again to the Mystics. WNBA champs. Besides that, that's all I got for you this week, folks. That's it. I'm done. Got nothing else for you. College football? Fine. Twist my arm. I will talk about college football at least for a second. Florida beat Auburn. Didn't see that coming. If you did, congrats. I mean, Florida, I guess, is way more talented than I thought. Anything else besides that, though? You have the Red River shootout. I'm going with Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma. Sorry, Texas. I'm giving you the horns down. Alabama and Texas A&M. Eh, not doing it for me. Alabama's going to win. Penn State's going to be Iowa and another. Oh, I forgot. Florida versus LSU. Give me LSU. Get it, Florida. Surprise me. They beat Auburn. But what Burroughs is doing in LSU with that air raid attack with Coach O. It's phenomenal. So I'm going LSU. In the big matchups this week, I guess, I'll take LSU over Florida, Penn State over Iowa, Notre Dame over USC. It's not a ranked matchup, but USC-Notre Dame is always a big game. Then Alabama over Texas A&M. And then Oklahoma, like I said, over Texas. Those are my picks of the big college games. Didn't really talk college football, just gave you picks. Not even money picks, not even spread picks, none of that. Just straight up picks. Do with that what you want. But that's it. That's all I got for you. I am done now. Like I said, enjoy your weekend in Paul's Pylon. He even said enjoy your weekend. So guess what? Go enjoy your weekend. Watch some baseball. Watch college football. Put some money down on NFL games. If you do, if you want to play fantasy, daily fantasy, go to Thrive Fantasy. That's another shout-out to another people. Again, if you go there, also use promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. All that fun stuff. Enjoy your weekend, though. It's a holiday weekend. You get an extra day, so that means you can drink a little bit more if you'd like to. But be responsible, especially if you're tailgating. You all know. That's it, though. Again, like, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at SportsDance underscore on Instagram, Facebook, all that great stuff. SoundCloud. I don't think I missed Spotify. All of it. Like, subscribe. You know what to do. If you're listening to this, you're either listening to us on TuneIn or something like that or on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. You know what to do, though. Again, I am Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Have a good one. The Sports, the sports Dance. dance.